Welcome to the Northbrook NextGen Podcast. A podcast created to help the next generation and the parents and influencers who love them. And now on to today's show. Hey friends, welcome back to the Northbrook NextGen Podcast. Uh, today my co-host is my better half uh, on this ministry journey, my wife Shalana. Uh, thanks for joining me today, babe. Of course. So excited to have you, and we are so excited to be joined today uh, by someone that we both deeply respect and uh, are so excited to chat with. David Thomas is with us today. Thanks for joining us, David. I am honored to be with you all. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. If you are newer to Northbrook and not familiar with David Thomas and his work, and you missed our Equip conference last year, Uh, Let me just briefly introduce David. David is the Director of Family Counseling at Daystar Counseling Ministries in Nashville. And uh, he's been there for the last 25 years, which is very impressive. Um, Talk about uh, staying faithful in one spot for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's been uh, vital in training the boys' staff there. And he is the author of 10 books which is actually how Shalana, uh, you discovered David a number of years ago. And I was trying to think back to how many years ago it was, but I think it's when our our son, who's our second, we had a girl first and then a boy, and it was with him. He was like a toddler and I thought, I need some extra help in the boy area here <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's just different. It's just different. So um, just that innate like boy nature that's there. So I think that's how I initially found you was with Wild Things. Read that one. And then um, we use Are My Kids on Track, I think, as like our guidebook of like, I don't know, we're always going back to it and like highlighting different things and different seasons that our kids are in. So that's been really good. It's our parent Bible. I guess so. So I don't know if I was allowed to say that. I don't know if you can (laughs) say that, but we're going to say it. You can say it. I'm great with that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so no it's like it's the most used book like because we keep going back to it um yeah and then I think starting the school year we had our son go through the boys the strong and smart workbook so um just a few of them but yeah yeah so no lots of um oh lots of good things that I so try to soak it all up yeah yeah, yeah it's been so good and so from that, uh, last year we had a parent conference and it was so well received. Um, David and Sissy were with us. And uh, in fact, here's one story I'll tell. We had parents uh, that were only planning on coming on Friday night and the content was so good. They canceled their plans for Saturday and made a point to come back Saturday. Wow. So if, that, if that doesn't tell you, if that doesn't tell you what you need to know about uh, the Equip conference, that that was really mm-hmm. cool. So um, a lot of buzz this year um, as we are having another Equip Parenting Conference and David will be joining us. And so we're so excited. And that was one of the reasons, David, we wanted to have you on was just so you could give parents a little sneak peek into the conference uh, for those that missed last year. And um, so for those of you uh, that don't know, our Equip Parenting Conference will be April 21st and 22nd this year. And you can sign up online. You can head to northbrookchurch.org. And if you click on the next steps and events tab, you'll find a place to register. So again, that is the next steps and then events tab. And again, that's April 21st and 22nd. Yeah. And um, we decided that um, 
we're going to add a little fun, extra fun to this. If you um, listen all the way to the end, we're going to give you some info on how you can win two free tickets to the Equip conference. So keep listening in and I'll share some info on how to do that at the end. Excellent. Yes. All right. So let's dive right in. Um, and so, so David, as we chat with parents, uh, one theme that we continue to hear, you know, is parenting is hard. It's always been hard, but coming out of COVID, it just feels like for some parents, um, it's especially difficult. And so I'm just curious, what's something that you've been saying to parents that are in a tough parenting season right now? Hmm. You know, I think the first thing that I would want to say is everything you just said, which is parenting is hard. It's really hard. And, you know, we know that we say that we all agree on that. And yet I don't know in my experience of doing this work this long that we are always embracing that reality and acknowledging, which we're going to talk about when I'm there, you know, the, the purpose of what God is doing in us and through us as parents through this unique relationship. And I think part of my experience has been if we don't embrace enough of that, then we move in the direction of what I would call just questions that aren't helpful. You know, questions like, what am I doing wrong? Why is everyone around me doing this right? And I'm fumbling the ball. And so I don't think we can camp out there long enough. And and that's honestly one of the things I'm the most excited about exploring with parents. When I come back, we're going to do a deep dive into what I think the very purpose of parenting is for us. And I emphasize the words us because I think we can get so over-focused on our kids, what they need, where they're struggling, how they need to grow and change that we forget the importance of our own growth and development. Like we're all developing people, not just our children. We're all developing people. And so I'm super excited to get to explore that. And I would only add to that to say, I think that's always been true. The parenting's been hard. I don't think it's ever been harder than it is in this point in time. And one of the gifts of having done this work for multiple decades is, you know, seeing evidence of where parents are struggling in some of the same ways they were 25 years ago. You know, for example, we were all just talking about the gift of both of your work with students, just spending time in the way you did with them last evening. And that I think it's always been hard to be an adolescent and therefore it's always been hard to be a parent of an adolescent, but I don't think it's ever been harder than it's been at this point in time. I've, I've never seen anything quite like it in 25 years of doing this work. And, you know, one example would be, you know, I think about the age old saying of kindergarten is the new first grade. Well, it turns out that's a hundred percent true. Like if we go back 50 years ago and look at curriculum and what we were doing with first graders, then it's what we're doing with kindergartners now. Well, I tend to ask a lot of, I'll encourage a lot of parents to say, ask your parents about their kindergarten experience. And most of them would say, I went to school three days a week, or I went to school only till noon every day. And then we came home and took a nap. Well, now we do a full 35 hour academic week. And if we jump forward, my kids in eighth grade took classes I took in high school. My kids in high school took classes I took in college. When I was going to college, you know, I went to our big university in Tennessee, the university of Tennessee. And Really, all you needed to get in at that point was a pulse. And <laughs> <laughs> that is just not the case anymore. And I've never seen so many kids, junior, senior year of high school, I knew you all see this too, who are so panicked, like worried I won't get in anywhere, worried my resume is not impressive enough, worried my ACT scores aren't high enough. And it's just 
heartbreaking for me to see kids from the front side of development all the way to the backside carrying more pressure, more expectation. And therefore, we as parents are carrying that too on their behalf. And so I just don't think it's ever been a harder time. And there's so many things going on in our world and our culture. And then, oh, yeah, let's throw in a global pandemic that we just lived through that we're still seeing the residual from. So if if nothing else comes from the great privilege you all are giving me to to come back and be with parents, I hope parents hear me cheering them on, encouraging them, saying, I'm I'm with you. I'm for you. Let's talk about some different things we could be doing in this hard, wonderful, transformative journey. Yeah, that's that's so encouraging just to hear that. Sometimes all you need to hear is it's it's not supposed to be easy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So if um, kind of taking a little different approach, I'm just curious, what's something that you've seen that encourages you? as you work with children or teens? It's mm, a great question. You know, I would say I have long talked about, and we wrote a lot about when you all said those kind words about, are my kids on track that none of us build what we call emotional muscles during the easy times. We just don't. I wish there were a way that, you know, kids could get an injection of resilience on their fifth birthday, you know, like one of the shots at the pediatrician, but that's just not the way it works. Like we have to build resilience. We have to build resourcefulness. We have to build perspective and we develop those emotional muscles in the harder moments in struggle. And every one of us knows that as a parent, like we have been guaranteed in Romans that we're going to struggle with all of creation, this side of heaven, we're going to groan with all of creation. And I think that groaning, that struggle is going to look different depending on a certain kid, a certain temperament, but it is to say, though we know that we can lose sight of that as parents and, and get in the way of our kids experiencing moments of struggle and kind of finding their way through and building those muscles. And so though I wish it weren't a harder time, I'm excited that I see opportunity for more kids building resilience and resourcefulness than I've ever seen. Now there's still more work to be done, but I would say, you know, even the, the pandemic, like, Every one of us was impacted in some way, some of us greater ways, some lesser so, but it is to say collectively, we all just experienced something really hard. And though there are some, you know, leftover effects that I'm concerned about, I'm seeing evidence of kids capacity to do harder things because they live through something really hard collectively that none of us could get around. Every one of us was affected in some way. And so I don't wish struggle on kids, but I get excited when they get a chance to tap into who more of who God made them to be and the strength. We talk a lot about Sissy and I were sharing the story recently of a mom in her office saying, you know, I worry so much that we're talking culturally a lot about bravery with kids and that it's just going to be even more pressure for my daughter. And Sissy said wisely to this mom, and I love this, you know, we're not asking her to rise up to something. We're simply calling out what God's already put inside of her. Like yeah. she doesn't need to muster up some bravery, go find some bravery. Like God put that in her. We're just going to help her develop that more. And so I think if we were to think on that, that's something I feel really hopeful about out of the heart that we're experiencing culturally is that there's just more opportunity than ever for, ki for kids to build that resilience and resourcefulness. I want them to have going into their young adult lives. Yeah, no, I love that. It's, it's like, you're speaking life and like calling that out too. No, it's, yes. that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I love the hope in that. Mm -hmm. I love the hope in that. I, I wish to be at a booster shot for, uh, 
for it. So that would be nice. Me too. It'd be yeah. a lot easier, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay. So let's, so moving on to uh, the, the equip conference that's coming up, your first session is going to be raising emotionally strong kids. And I, I'm just curious if you can give us a brief synopsis on why that's such an important and relevant topic for today. You know, one of the things I talk about in my newest book is I love the Frederick Douglass quote, you know, when he says it's easier to build strong children to repair than to repair broken men. It's easier to build strong children than it is to repair broken men. And I think there is so much opportunity for us as parents, as educators, as coaches, as people who love and are invested in kids to think about what intentionally could we be doing on the front side of development to make their journey into adulthood, their own friendships, their own marriages, their own journey of parenting, you know, different because we built some of that strength into them on the front side of development. And so I love talking about not just the idea of emotional strength, but I want to get in there. We're going to talk about the nuts and bolts. Like I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and preview for any parent who comes. I'm going to bombard you with information. Okay. If you will just invest this time and get in the room with me, I promise I'm going to give you so much in that time, like really practical things that you could be doing when you walk out of the room we're in that night, that next day, that next week to be helping kids build that because you know, every one of us is aware more than ever. There are some pretty scary stats out there for adults. And we could camp out in the hopelessness of that, or we could roll up our sleeves and say, well, there's a lot of good building we can do on the front side that could start to change those numbers over time. I talk about in the new book that, you know, adult men lead the stats for infidelity, internet pornography, substance abuse, and suicide for the scariest categories out there. And the common denominator with all four of those being that it is a male's attempt to try to shut down or numb out or avoid whatever it is I'm feeling. Okay. Those are scary stats for those of us who are parenting boys, yeah. but I feel really energized and hopeful. Like there's a lot we can do to change those numbers because if we equip boys and girls on the front side to be able to name and navigate their experience, we don't have to live in fear of those realities because they're not working to avoid deny, numb out in some way. And so just gets me really excited and I'm grateful we're going to come together and again, talk about the nuts and bolts of that. Yeah. Love that. So for the second session, um, you're going to be talking on being a purposeful parent, um, which I'm really excited about, but could you just give us a sneak peek into kind of what you might be covering in that session? I love to. We are going to look at three ideas, three ingredients to being purposeful in the journey of parenting. More importantly, I'm going to give every parent there three questions that I want them to really wrestle with that I think move you toward being more purposeful in the journey of parenting. So I'm going to say, I'll preview for you in saying, I'm going to say, if you don't write down anything else in that time, I want you to put down these three questions. And I'm going to even give you some homework around what it looks like to answer those, to think about those, to have some conversation around those in ways that I think could move you toward that word more. Because I think every one of us would say, we want to be more purposeful. We want to be more intentional in this journey of parenting. But as much as we love those words, we don't always know what it looks like to get there. So I'm going to give some questions. Um, we're also going to, those of you who are with us before know that 
we love to use visuals to teach around because I think, it, you know, a lot of times we'll hear these great ideas and we'll think, oh, I love that. How in the world do you implement that? And so all throughout both sessions, I'm going to stop and we're going to study some parents. And I promise you, we're going to laugh a lot together because I very much believe in laughing and learning side by side. And so because, as we've said, this journey is heavy and hard. So we're going to study some parents and look at really specific examples of what it means to be more reactive in parenting, which is easy to do. And then the difference when we're more responsive and how do we maintain that posture of being more responsive in our parenting? So that's probably one of the things I'm the most excited about exploring um, in that particular session. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yes. Get it for excited. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So next question, any other, any other advice that you've been sharing with parents lately? Two things I would say in particular, I am even a little back to what we talked about on the front side of our conversation. You know, I think if we think about our spiritual lives, every one of us who's lived long enough to have navigated some of the heart of life knows that part of being a a person of Christ means that I learned to trust the slow, steady work of God Mm -hmm. that does not always happen on in fact, rarely happens on my timeline or the timeline that I would prefer. And what does it look like to live a long, slow obedience as I trust the slow, steady work of God? And I think there is wisdom within that in the arena of parenting as well. And and we're going to talk a lot about trusting the slow, steady work of development and that, you know, there's a reason that it takes decades for any of us to become more of the people God designed us to be. And I think sometimes though we know that we can forget that as parents and we don't see evidence of all the growth and maturity and discernment that we want to see in our kids. You know, one of the things I, you all know that I talk a lot about and are my kids on track is that this is, you know, empathy is not something a kid's done developing by their 10th birthday or their 16th birthday. Like that's something we should all be working on all throughout development. And so That's one of the things I'm reminding parents, and that leads to the second of more than ever, I think it's with the pandemic important to acknowledge that every one of us lost some opportunity over the pandemic, and certainly every city, every state, every school within every city operated differently in terms of when kids were out and when they were back, and What we know was true for everyone for some period of time is we just lost opportunity for practice. And we're seeing lags in every kid from toddlers all the way to teenagers in terms of their emotional and social development. And I'm seeing some parents panic. And, you know, what I'm saying as we trust that slow, steady work is knowing that we're going to play catch up. Yeah. I really don't feel concerned, but we've got to trust the slow, steady work. And so, You know, we've had a lot of conversation culturally around the concerns we have about what kids missed academically, but we probably haven't talked enough about what they missed emotionally and socially. I was talking with a set of parents the other day, and they were saying that they took their son to the park, you know, a month after the world kind of started to open up. This was one of the many kids who was born during COVID and just, you know, didn't have daycare, didn't have Mother's Day out, didn't have play dates, didn't have all those things. And 
he was at the park and a little boy wandered up toward him and loved the truck he was playing with and just picked it up and started walking off as kids will do in that space development. And he lost his mind. He just started screaming. And she was like, Oh no, 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 no. What, what, what's going on? And I said, what's going on is he hasn't had practice. You know, no one's taken his toy because he was the only person at home. Except for the grownups who were not taking his trucks away from him. And so he is now getting to practice that normal. This is kind of the way things go. Sometimes someone takes the things I love. I've got to figure out how to negotiate. I've got to figure out how to navigate relationship. And so I looked at this mom and said, he'll get it. He'll get it. But he just needs some practice. And he was not afforded that in the ways that every one of us lost some opportunities. I talk, have talked with, I've laughed. You all have probably had the same conversation with a lot of parents and adolescents. How many kids didn't get the practice of asking someone to a homecoming dance? And so if you miss that for years and years, I mean, I think that's scary on a good day under the best of circumstances. But if I'd have zero practice and walking up to a girl with some goofy poster asking her to a dance like that's scary and so you know we could fill in the blank with so many different examples of where we're all playing catch up and all the opportunity that's there in that very example to feel nervous and navigate the nervous to feel awkward and navigate the awkward to risk and know that this person might say yes to this invitation to dance and they might say no so all of the different layers of practice that come in that emotionally and socially that we're just going to be playing some catch up and let's trust the slow, steady work of development. Let's more importantly, trust the slow, steady work of God who is going to equip us as parents to help our kids play that catch up. So I'm talking a lot about that in my office with parents and reminding them of that when they're not seeing immediate evidence of kids bouncing right back. Yeah. I love that. Trust the slow, steady work of God. Wow. Yeah. I may steal that at some point <laughs> with a parent or two. I'll uh, let you. Yeah, no, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, that's so helpful at working with. We see it with working with teenagers. You just it just feels like they lost a couple years of something, yeah. and now, yeah, but trusting that God's at work in it slowly but surely. So, so helpful. It takes the pressure off as parents mm. and as pastors and educators yeah yes it's easy easy to say but hard to live out <laughs> isn't that the it's, absolute truth yes. that is the absolute truth i was on a walk this morning with a dear friend one of my best friends and he has a 15 year old son and talk about trusting the slow steady work of god you know 13 to 15 is what every developmental theorist would say is the worst episode of a boy's life so you know i was just reminding this dad who'd had a hard morning with a kind of thoroughly disrespectful 15 year old boy. Like you're getting just a glimpse of who he is capable of being as an adult man in this world. And, and if he's in the worst episode, which every developmental theorist would agree that he is, then you're getting a really small glimpse of what he's capable of. You even got a bigger glimpse in some ways around his eighth birthday of who he's capable of being and who he will return to being. But he's in the most unsteady stretch of development. There's never a point where any one of us felt more insecure, more uncomfortable in our own skin, more unsure of who we are in the world. And so there again, let's trust the slow, steady work in that space and that we're just getting a glimpse and we'll get to see more. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Well, David, thanks so much for joining us today. This has been so encouraging and uh, I think we're both just even more excited to yeah. see you in April for in person. Sure. 
So um, thanks so much for, for spending some time with us today. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. You two are a delight to spend time with. I'm being reminded of that again this morning. And, and I just want to say to you too, even the conversation we were sharing before we hit record that you spent the evening last night with 250 adolescents, like loving on them, supporting them, trusting the slow, steady work we've been talking about. I cannot thank you both enough for the life-giving work you're doing. I talk so much about that particular stretch of development being a point where every one of us needs other voices. Mm. Yeah. And, and you are being that in the lives of so many kids, not to discount the amazing voice you're being in the lives of your own kids. So I'm just so grateful for the two of you and excited to be back with you in person. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, uh, you can experience David live here at Northbrook, Northbrook Friends, and uh, anyone in the area at our Equip Conference, and that's April 21st and 22nd. Again, you can register online. And uh, Shalana, I think we promised them a giveaway. We did. We did. Yes. So as we promised, we are going to give away two free tickets to the Equip Conference so you can come and hear more. Um, from David. So what we're going to do is you need to email me. Um, so my email is smalstead, M-A-H-L-S-T-E-D-T. It's a fun one. Um, at northbrookchurch.org. Northbrook Church spelled out. So once more, it's S-M-A-H-L-S-T-E-D-T at northbrookchurch.org. Dot org and in the email simply just put podcast winner so i am going to select one email randomly between once we release this podcast and march 21st and i will contact you through email and let you know if you've won awesome love that last name so easy to spell yes. it's a good thing i love you <laughs> <laughs> My maiden name was much easier. You, you, but. Can, you can find her email on the North, Northbrook's website if uh, if you just gave up listening to that. But uh, we are we are so excited to see you all at the Equip Conference. So excited to see David, and um, so excited to continue to watch God do a slow and steady work uh, in our in our parents in our in our church body. So thanks again, David, and uh, friends. Look forward to seeing you at the Equip Conference. 